Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built environment, the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions, more than any other industry. You know, if you've been listening to this podcast, a lot of what we've talked about is how do we decarbonize the built environment, right? Massive, as I said, 40% of all carbon emissions Um and whether it's the real estate companies themselves responsible or for the or it's the tenants that are controlling energy consumption carbon emissions doesn't really matter uh the mission is how do we uh inspire educate galvanize the built environment to embrace uh, decarbonization with a great sense of urgency but a lot of what we talked about is the industry as a whole we've not really talked about the impact on humans <laughs> uh of you know uh, unhealthy buildings and you know given the fact that we spend 90% or so of our lives indoor there, there's nobody in my mind and and many 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 others agree that has done more to educate uh the world on the impact of sick buildings on people than my guest um professor uh joe allen uh of harvard the director of the harvard healthy buildings program noted author going to be speaking at our cretech climate summit in new york on september 21st it's my great great pleasure to welcome um joe allen to the podcast joe thanks for spending some time with me today yeah thanks for inviting me on and uh it's a it's a privilege to connect with uh, your audience on this topic thanks Thanks, Joe. So if we could just start, let's like introduce yourself, you know, a little bit about your background, the work and the role that you have now and why this issue for you personally. I'd love, you know, to sort of understand, you know, why of all the, the wonderful things that you could be devoting your time to, why this? Well, um, yeah, so I think it's pretty straightforward. At least my personal motivation is simple. You, you hit on some of this. It's the role that buildings play in our health and you hit on half of it. That's the role of buildings in terms of our, uh, our the impact on climate and all of the cascading health effects, immediate health effects from air pollution, the downstream and, and growing health effects from climate change. And the other part is the health indoors. And this has such a profound impact on our health in all ways, our buildings, our decisions around our buildings. And the personal motivation came from, uh, I, I'm a, I've also do advising and consulting. And for years, I, I investigated and resolved sick building problems. And honestly, it became quite frustrating because um, saw everything that go wrong in a building, seen it all, seen from the, you know, the impacts, uh, you know, headaches and eye irritation all the way through people dying in buildings. But in every one of these, we could resolve the issue with very little cost. It was just about paying attention to our buildings a little bit more and, 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 uh, and deploying or using some of this good science we had on how to operate a building. The problem is it just got tired. I got tired of chasing these these problems, knowing we knew how to do it better from the start. So when I got to Harvard, 
flip my program around, start to talk about all these positive benefits, the way we could design, operate, maintain our buildings to promote health. We know how to do it right. And so a lot of my work has been on producing the science, but then driving that science into policy practice, working with big organizations, small organizations, nonprofits to just do better with our buildings. So it's a really simple uh, motivation. I, I fundamentally believe that that the decisions we make regarding our buildings now will determine our collective health for a generation or more. And I think it's been ignored. That's great, Joe. So, you know, this is I, I tell people it's sort of like a, po- a podcast for dummies and I'm the dummy. So it's a podcast for me, an audience of one, right? Uh, and you know, you're a, a world-renowned Harvard uh, professor. You know, you're an accomplished author. So, apologies for the s- simplicity of some of these questions. But you're also talking to someone who didn't uh, get to college or didn't make its his way through. What is a sick building? If we could just start there and educate me as to, you know, I I, I never. I've been in the real estate industry almost 40 years. I had no idea that buildings make you sick. How is that? I mean, it's a whole lot of ways. Uh, and um, uh, and it could be, like I just mentioned prior, it could be everything from the classic sick building syndrome um, uh, effects. Can't concentrate. I don't feel right in this space. Something's off. The odors are bad, right? Things that we've all kind of experienced. Every one of us has walked into a building. It doesn't feel right. And then it could be everything from buildings that cause cancer based on the products we use in this space or things like Legionnaire's disease, bacteria in the water. We don't handle it right. And, and, and uh, that could lead to severe illness um, and death. So sick buildings encompass all of this, all of this. It's really the time spent in underperforming environments that has an adverse effect on our health and well-being. That's everything from infectious disease transmission, something like SARS-CoV-2 or influenza. All the way through just how do you how does it influence our well-being how does being in a poorly designed space influence our mental health our ability to be productive our cognitive function and i and the reason we talk about it in terms of sick buildings is I, I really think this is an era we've been in the sick building era by design if you look at the this, the, the design standards that ultimately become code for buildings going back to at least the 70s we haven't, public health hasn't had a seat at that table. So what does that mean? It means when we choose products inside of our buildings, we're not mindful of the toxic chemicals that might be in them that interfere with our reproductive hormones or cause cancer. It means setting ventilation rates that aren't protective against influenza and other infectious diseases. It's poor lighting that doesn't allow us to concentrate. It's disconnecting ourselves from the outside and the physical world and disconnecting ourselves from nature despite our, our uh, entire uh, experience as, as, as humans being attached to nature. So by design, we've walled ourselves off from nature with poor lighting, bad indoor air quality. We've polluted the indoor space with things that off-gas, uh, chemicals that can have an immediate effect, influence us in subclinical ways, ways we can't detect. And all of this is part of this sick building era that's really by design. We've made poor choices, despite, despite, decades of science that show us how to do it better, how to think about acoustics and lighting and and basics like pest control and some of the most simple things that we can do better uh, in buildings, but we've really been trapped in the sick building era. The reality is a lot of people every day get sick in buildings all over the place. I have seen these. I've done hundreds of these investigations of buildings where people are sick in these buildings. Uh, and it's frustrating. Because, like I said as in the opening, we know how to do better. 
And, um, and that's, I mean, that's a long answer to the short question. What is a sick building? But it's all encompassing in terms of the myriad ways that the building can keep us sick and importantly, can keep us well if we do it right. So that's so helpful, Joe. So then um, you've been at this for a while. How would you characterize this moment in time, right? You just wrote a great op-ed about the new CDC health ventilation targets, which was thought was terrific and incredibly helpful. And you said, quote, we are on the verge of an indoor air quality revolution, and it could be amongst the most important public health victories of the 21st century. All right, that's a big, bold statement. So are you encouraged then sort of the the political environment and then you know the um, sort of the, the real estate um community and occupiers and tenants as well have we converged at this moment in time where we're taking this seriously yeah i i think it's a historic moment i don't think that sentence is full of hyperbole i think it reflects the reality and the reality was we had a virus that hit us hard it was novel to our immune systems. It was not novel in the way it was spread, although the world didn't pay attention to airborne transmission. And it hit up against this sick building era. Buildings not designed for health and certainly not designed to prevent respiratory transmission of infectious diseases. So what did that do? It had the effect of waking people up. Whoa, my neighbor talks to me about MERV 13 filters now. Things that never would have happened so there's a handful of us studying this, people in the building space been thinking about this, but the world had not largely. But now that has changed. And why I think the past couple of weeks have been historic is this. For the first year of the pandemic, many people are asleep about airborne transmission. You have to acknowledge that because once you acknowledge that, that's the reality, but also then the building matters. We got past that. People started talking about ventilation and filtration, but we didn't have standards set around health. We worked hard. I've been advising the White House for the past year. I've been talking to CDC and ASHRAE and everybody else. And so what just happened is my Lancet COVID-19 commission, a, a task force that I chair, released some health-based targets. This was followed by ASHRAE and CDC just last week or two weeks ago, releasing the first ever health-based targets. Now, there's a long way to go to be sure this has the impact on getting us out of the sick building era, but it's a start. The first is recognizing that buildings are underperforming and making us sick. The second, start to increase ventilation filtration. The third, set some health-based targets, but now the next steps are really hard. How do you implement this? How do you get it into code? How do you be sure it benefits everyone everywhere and not just a handful of organizations paying attention that have the resources to improve ventilation and filtration? How do you get this just to be the norm? I wanna be put out of business, right? There shouldn't be a healthy buildings program. It should just be the way we do business. And so, but I'm optimistic. And I think if we get this right, if we get this right, it does have the potential to be one of the greatest public health interventions of this century. That is not an overstatement. I, I love that. I love that. I'm very, very inspired by your optimism because uh, it's hard to find a lot of optimism on, on this climate journey that I'm on. But that, that's, that's encouraging, Joe. And then, so then the follow-up would be, you know, I know you do a lot of great consulting work. I know you're working on some you know, just extraordinary projects that, you know, I encourage everybody to follow you on LinkedIn. You post a lot of great content there. Where are you seeing good examples take shape? Uh, you could cite a particular building. Uh, I think you know the one I'm talking about or any other of your favorite clients. But w w give me an example, because again, our 
our audience at Cretech is the real estate sector. It's real estate owners, developers, asset managers, pension funds, investors. That's the bulk of our global audience, big real estate companies. So I want them yeah. to be inspired to understand it's happening. So can you just give us some, you know, high level case studies perhaps that we should go look yeah, at? Yeah, sure. Sure. Let me preface it by saying I work with a lot of organizations that are doing this. Some I can't talk about, some I can. I'm going to talk about a high profile project in a second, but um, I, I don't I don't want it, I don't want the message to be, hey, there's only one or two people doing this. I work with people across retail, right. hospitality, uh, convention centers, corporate real estate. Yep, I know. Right. So so um the 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 one of the best examples is a project I advise on is JP Morgan's new headquarters in downtown New York City. Right? I, was Flagship you, building. I was hoping you were gonna cite that one. <laughs> of course, of course. And um, you know, designed by my friend Lord Norman Foster, brilliant architects. Of course, it's a beautiful building. And he's been talking about healthy buildings for decades, for what it's worth. And but this building starts to marry all of these best principles. So on the health side, what we've been talking about, it is doubling the ventilation rate. By the way, we were talking about this with them years ago. This is before COVID, but they saw the science and they acted on it at a time when people said it could not be done. People said it couldn't be done. 40 CFM per person for those who are technical. That's a doubling of the ventilation rate. Higher levels of filtration, a real-time indoor air quality monitoring program, healthier material selection, like all the things we've been talking about that are just should be basics. On top of that, what I really like about this building, and this is public, I wrote about it in Harvard Business Review back in January, is that not only does it address the healthy building concerns, it addresses the green building or the climate responsibility. So this is an all-electric tower in the middle of Manhattan, sourced with renewable energy, a whole slew of energy-efficient systems in the building. So they're showing that you can actually have both. For a long time, as you know, it's been like this this yes, competition yes. or this battle between health and energy. Well, we can't have both. Maybe we'll have energy, but not health. It's totally unacceptable as a frame. We have to have both. You have, you can't have a healthy building indoors that pollutes the outdoor environment. Right. You can't have an energy efficient building that's super sealed up and tight where people get sick inside. It just, it's, it's a not, it's a non-starter. And it, projects like this and many others start to show how you can marry both and you can have both. And in fact, what I love about projects like this, is that with each new great project that comes along, it sets the tone for what is the new minimum? What's the standard? You start to think about what's happening in the, in the, in the commercial real estate market. Everyone talks about a flight to quality. Tenants have their choice of spaces or very soon we'll have even bigger choice. So what are you going to do? What are you going to go to? You're going to find the places that have healthy indoor air quality that do right by the environment, meet your sustainability ESG goals. This is where it's all headed. And this is why I wrote that piece in January at Harvard Business Review, you see the pendulum swings. It was all COVID. A lot of sustainability goals were left on the side. It's swinging back to climate. It'd be a huge mistake as we swing back to climate if we leave those healthy building goals behind. And in the article, I just point to some simple steps that you can take to, to accomplish both. And I talk about that great new um, JP Morgan headquarters in um, Manhattan because it's doing, it's doing it all. So, Joe, yes, and I've been following that building. It's, it's been extraordinarily uh, inspiring to watch that. But now, you know, the, now I put on my sort of, you know, uh, pessimistic hat in the sense that, well, not everybody has those resources to hire Sir Norman, For Sir Norman Foster, right? Or, you know, as JP Morgan Chase as a, as a client, as an anchor. So what say you to these real estate companies? And you know, the bulk of real estate is not owned by institutions. It's owned by small regional real estate companies that might own a few buildings or a portfolio. 
what say you to them to how how they get started? You know, like they don't have a chief sustainability officer. They have maybe an IT or a tech function. They don't have a lot of resources. Now, I would say go read Joe's amazing book, Healthy Buildings, <laughs> which is a fantastic starter and much more than that. What what would you say to a, a real estate owner, developer that's listening to this saying, okay, I've got a suburban B building or a suburban office building somewhere. I I, I, I agree with Joe. I want to make an impact. What, where do I get started? Yes, that's a great question. And, you know, it's true. We need these, we need the JP Morgan's of the world to lead and inspire us with these great buildings that set the standard for what's coming. I believe in market driven, um, solutions. That said, a couple things have to happen. And one of the tying it back to our early conversation in my Washington Post editorial, why I think it's a historic moment is that the way this benefits everybody is that eventually it has to, these health based approach to buildings has to become standard which then become standards, which then become codes, which means everybody builds this way, right? So that's the future. But in the interim, what's the message to someone who says, I don't have the resources of a JP Morgan, what am I going to do? It's actually not expensive and not hard to improve the health of your building. I'll give you some simple examples around ventilation and air quality. So first thing, upgrade the level of filtration in your building. This doesn't cost a lot of money. If you go from a filter, typical MERV-8 filter, maybe captures 20% of particles. You can go up to a MERV-13, captures maybe 80, 90%. The analysis I've seen, it costs about a dollar a month, all in energy, materials, and labor, a dollar a month. This is super cheap, helps against respiratory infections and also wildfire smoke, particle pollution from automobiles and coal-fired power plants and what have you, pollen, allergens. So that's an absolute no-brainer. Upgrade your filtration. All these claims that these higher filters are going to hurt your system, I haven't seen it manifest once. Almost every system can handle this. Two, improve the ventilation. So what can you do there? The very first step is actually cost-neutral and may even lead to returns. It's the process of commissioning or giving your existing systems a tune-up. So Lawrence Berkeley National Lab has done an analysis on this right? You have your existing systems. Most of the time, they slip in performance. If you commission your system, hire a local HVAC engineer or engineering consultant, bring the building back up to the way it was designed. Make sure the fans are operating the right way. Make sure your system's performing right. And here's how it saves money and meets climate and health goals. Commissioning your building or giving a tune-up improves indoor air quality, so you address health. It saves energy, so it saves you money. And by saving energy, it's contributing to your climate goals. The ROI is a couple of years, mm. right? So it's, Lauren, this is from Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. The ROI on commissioning your systems is a couple of years. So to the people say, I'm not sure where to start. First thing you do, give your building a tune-up. You're going to save money, save energy. And by the way, you get better indoor air quality, upgrade your filters. And then as that's the starting point. Then all right, next time I have an improvement, what else can I do in my building to maybe bring in more outdoor air? How do I think about next time I renovate and, and, and swap out my carpets, my building materials that I'm choosing healthier materials? Hey, maybe next time I'm going to bring in some nature and, and incorporate some biophilic design principles, a little more plants, biomorphic shapes and patterns. This stuff is not expensive. And we know, and we know study after study, I, I cite many in my book shows that when you do things with lighting, biophilic design, ventilation, filtration, it improves the health of the space and improves the performance of the people in the space. So it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be expensive. In fact, it's not. And all of this is very feasible. I'm really careful with my messaging to talk about things that are really feasible. I'm talking about outrageous things that are really hard to do. Give your building a tune-up, choose better materials, 
put in some plants and, and follow these biophilic design principles, a couple other things, and that'll really make a big difference. That's great. I, I, I tell you, you, you make the case for me wanting to work in a Joe Allen sanctioned building. You know, you make it seem like, yeah, that's where I should be working to be more productive, to be healthier, to, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, also have an impact uh, on the world and my fellow uh, workers and what have you. It's just, don't uh, we all deserve this? We all deserve it. This is not hard, right? Uh, And everybody deserves to to be in a space that keeps us healthy and, uh, and make sure we're not getting sick. This is, this is a a fundamental human right. It is. I love, I love the way that you, uh, Describe it, Joe. Finally, Joe, for me, just quickly, you know, so Cretech, our, our mission is how do we inspire the built environment to reimagine real estate from a, and, and through the lens of technology and sustainability? Um, I would, everything that you've talked about from a technology lens seems like we already have it, right? So, you know, just help me unpack that for a second. Like all the solutions that we need. If we can get the will and the want and the desire, and you've made the case so eloquently, you're telling me also that the solutions that we need to make this significant impact on people's lives are there. Yeah? I mean, name something I said during this podcast that uh, sounds far out, expensive, unavailable. Air quality sensors, we, we're deploying these everywhere. Healthy materials, we have 50 plus projects on the Harvard campus that chose healthy materials. We're releasing our playbook to the world. Better filters, these are available. Everyone's putting these in. I mean, these are really things that we've known about. I think the issue is that we haven't fully um, uh, given it the attention or made it part of the implementation here. And I think what's changed for your industry is this, that now the pressures are coming from top down and bottom up, right? Employees are not going to put up, they are hyper aware. And in fact, they're going to bring their own indoor air quality sensors into your building and tell you where you're underperforming. So this is a hyper-aware space. It is not going back in the box after COVID. And then you have investor pressure, both on the climate side, the healthy building side. Who wants to invest in an asset that's going to be outdated in terms of health or climate very soon? So nobody. And so it's now the, the, the motivation to act. It, it, it is is coming from multiple directions. And I think that's going to change uh, things. And I honestly think that the organizations, the people who are sleeping on this are going to get caught off guard and they'll be stuck with stranded assets. Who's going to want to work in one of these buildings that doesn't have these best principles around health and climate? Uh, it's just, you know, th- this is, this is a, uh, uh, a market where and a really um, uh, motivated set yeah. of customers, consumers, clients, employees, right? And they know what's out there. So uh, I think it's a real moment to act. Yeah, that's great, Joe. Well, you know, I, I think um, you, you brought up so many great points. You know, this is sort of this very consistent with some of the themes that I'm trying to go out to the market with and advocate, which is, you know, we can't, yes, can we make an effective moral argument? We can, we should, about the impact of buildings and the climate and people's health and welfare. But when this is, we're in a capitalistic society, so we've also got to demonstrate the demand is there and the ROI is there as well, which you so eloquently made the case on this podcast, Joe. I can't thank you for all the wonderful work that you're doing, Joe, on behalf of, um, you know, the people that are living on the planet and they're going to office buildings or, or where they're living and working, which is, you know, so, so much of our population you're having a huge impact. And I'm thrilled that you'll be speaking at our September 21st Climate Summit in New York during Climate Week, helping to make the case even further in person. So, Joe, thanks so much for your time and all the wonderful, wonderful work that you're doing at um, Harvard Healthy Buildings Program. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to September. I'll have a lot of new stuff, too, uh, for then. So I can't wait. Great. Thanks, Joe. All right. Bye. 
If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.